0: Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. I've always been impressed by Vicki Adundo, not so much by her accomplishments, her skills, as we would be impressed with somebody in this culture. I've been impressed by her heart. Her love, first for the Lord and then for others. Some of you don't know her original story, but Vicki was suicidal on the way to take her life when she came across an outdoor event and she stopped there and it was an evangelistic event. And she invited Christ into her life. And she had lived on the street herself. And so she later told the pastor that she had that she would like to help street children. She really didn't know what she would do, but she wanted to take in one. And the Lord gave her two, right, to start with. And, well, as you can see, it's multiplied over the years. The Lord has anointed her to reach street children, all those living with her, those who are in there, you, in that country, you live in a boarding school for high school or for college. And so she's got many who are away and then those that are still on the street that they go out and feed. And I'm pretty sure her reward in heaven will be great because she loves the Lord greatly and she loves people. And it's really the test or the question for all of us. As you are journeying journeying through this life, are you really loving the Lord so deeply that His Spirit flows in you and through you so that you have the capacity to love many greatly? I fear that too many people in this country primarily love themselves, love the things of the world, even though the scripture says do not love the world or anything of the world, and that we may come to the end of our lives and wish that we had loved the world less and loved God more and loved people more to the point where it's Genuinely sacrificial in our lives to love others. I think always God is teaching me more about dying to myself, allowing him to do what he wants to do in order to love others. One of the things that Louis learned while he was in Africa was that not all of Vicky's children are sponsored. And we've given people here the opportunity to sponsor children over the years at serving or, through serving orphans to the orphanage. And in October, we're going to set that up. There's a good chance that Vicky's going to be here and we're going to have a weekend where you can sponsor her children if you'd like to do so. And maybe even if it requires you to be sacrificial in some way because Vicky is raising up people who are now multiplying the kingdom of God like Arcadius but not just him, others who are in a world where there is much darkness but they are standing against it doing the work of Christ and so I hope that as you think of them you will certainly pray for them but also be willing to support them even more in the days ahead Before I begin teaching, let us pray together. Lord, I truly ask that you would speak to each of our hearts this morning. Give us deeper understanding, deeper wisdom in order to live the life that you want us to live. I do pray against any spirit of darkness that would try to interfere, whether here or with the children. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be upon each and every one of us. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I have continued and will continue to ask these what-if questions. Last week I asked the question of what if it rains? And the implication of that teaching wasn't so obvious from the title, although it did get me in a little bit of trouble because I did a wedding that afternoon that was an outdoor wedding and it rained. And the wedding party was not pleased with me for having taught on that subject. Fortunately, however, we had to delay the wedding just a little bit. Then the rain stopped. Turned out to be just beautiful and comfortable to do an outdoor wedding in that context. But the bridesmaids' dresses were wet from about there down. They were the ones who were least pleased with my teaching, I think. But I wasn't asking something so much about physical rain last week. as I was talking about something different. And really, rain is in the scripture in a lot of places and it often refers to the blessing of God. And in this scripture in Matthew, it says that he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you really do a little study, you'll find that oftentimes the scripture talks about rain as pouring out the blessings of God or the withholding of rain as the withholding of blessings. And the question I had was, well, what if it rains? That is, what if God wants to pour out his blessings upon you? And I raised the question of, do you earn the blessings of God? You can't earn salvation. But a lot of people think that you earn favor with God or you earn blessing from God. And I really don't believe that's true. I believe that you seek God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You want to know Him. You walk with Him in relationship. And as a consequence, God always naturally stands ready to bless you. Now, His blessings are better than the blessings of the world. In fact, really, if you compare the blessings of God against the blessings of the world, the way that we try to bless ourselves is as if we go to the trash dump and pick out things and think, those are good. The blessings of God are much richer, much greater. That he pours them out like the rain that appears to be pouring (laughs) upon the roof at this moment. And his blessings have to do with relationship with him, walking with him. One of the the greatest blessings really is to know him, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to never be alone, to have your sins forgiven, to have the Spirit speaking to you, guiding you through life, giving you direction and guidance about the things you are to do in life. The greatest blessing is to know him. And then the other great blessings are relationships with people. We think the material things of this world are the great blessings. Sometimes God blesses us materially, but they are very much secondary in comparison to the blessings of relationships with people. So you look at Vicki, Miss Vicky is richly, richly blessed. She's the mama to hundreds of children. The spiritual mama. And God just keeps pouring into her so that she can pour out more because she's a great vessel of love. And if you want to see the rain of God pouring into you and through you, you need to be a vessel of love to others. Because those who drink in the rain, the scripture says, and then they produce a crop. That is that they don't just hold it for themselves, but they are involved in the lives of others. Those are the ones that receive the great blessings of God. You do not earn the blessings of God simply by following him. You stand in a position to receive them, but you can reject them. There are lots of people, countless people, who are rejecting the blessings of God day by day by not seeking him and following him. But as you hunger and thirst for him, his blessings multiply in your life. It's his nature. It's his good nature. I think God loves to bless his children. Any good father in this world really enjoys blessing his children. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, one of my kids had a car accident. It wasn't too bad. It actually was one of those situations where he was looking. The traffic was going really slow, and he was looking over at another accident that had taken place. The person in front of him stopped and... He got that car. And I got a phone call at an unusual time of day, and I took it from him because I "Mm, this is not good. And sure enough, dad. And he sent me a picture of what had happened, and I, I thought, well, that's not too bad. We should be able to repair that. But I was wrong. Damaged some really serious parts in the front. It was totaled. You know, I never got mad about it at all. In fact, I set out to find him a car that would be a replacement that was better than the one he had. And he got money from the insurance. I took that money, added some to it, and bought him a nicer car because I didn't want to punish him. I didn't want to discipline him. It just happened. I wanted to bless him. And see, if an earthly father can desire to bless, how much more, the Scripture says, does God desire, it's talking about the Holy Spirit, to bless, to pour out the Spirit upon those who ask? See, just seeking Him, just following Him, you're, you're essentially saying all of the time, Lord, I want every blessing. I want every blessing that you want to give me. And I've learned, through walking with him now for a long time, that he just keeps pouring the blessings into your life mainly through the people that he crosses you, crosses into your path, that you might enjoy relationship with them. Now the question I want to ask this week is, what if the wolf knocks? This was actually suggested by one of our elders. So if you like it, I'll take credit for it. If you don't, I'll give you his name. And of course, it is a little bit of a play on words. It's really about what if Satan knocks or a spirit of evil knocks on your door. And it's from those old children's stories where the wolf came and tried to blow your house in. And, or in the case of Little Red Riding Hood, you know, there are a couple of old children's stories where there's a wolf... Which I don't have any idea why anybody thinks those are great children's stories. Because in the case of Little Red Riding Hood, the wolf eats, the little, eats grandma and then eats the little girl. In the original stories, that's where it ends, they've been lightened up over the years so that somehow grandma and the little girl survive. And the same with three little pigs, that in the original story, the first two pigs didn't live. But as they've been changed over the years, they run to the house where there are bricks and they survive. But I wonder how many of us or how many other children have had nightmares because somebody read that story to them right before they went to bed, like about some wolf showing up in the middle of the night. But the reality is, in this life, the wolf, that is the spirits of evil, do not. And I'm fully convinced that every person faces spiritual warfare, And it's an ongoing thing. Sometimes it's intense, it's obvious. Sometimes it's very subtle. But this is the nature of the world in which we live. Now, when I was, say, 19 years old, around the time that I knew everything, I've since forgot a lot or recognized that I didn't know everything. And you had asked me if I believed in God. At that point I think my answer would have been I believe there is a God Because actually I was in a philosophy class in college And I remember thinking there must have been a beginning There had to be a starting point There must be a God Now a lot of people go to college and go to a philosophy class And it damages their, their Christian faith Well I had no Christian faith And I simply had that thought, there must be a God, but that was it. I didn't know anything, really. I didn't know you could have a relationship with God. I didn't know who this God was, but I thought there must be one. If you had asked me in that same time period, do you believe there are angels and demons? I would have scoffed and said, certainly not. Only those who are uneducated or irrational would believe in such things because I was steeped in modernism, which is what our educational system was up until recent times. It's now more in the postmodern era. But in that era, it was very scientific, very rational. Anything that was irrational was only for those who don't understand. I didn't believe there was a demonic realm or an angelic realm or something of that nature. Then I became a Christian, had my eyes open. I didn't realize how much of the world I did not understand. And in these many years now, I've come to see things radically different. I certainly believe that there is a God. His name is Jesus. He created all things. He holds everything together. He loves his creation He loves the world, he loved the world so much that he died that anyone who would call upon his name can have life and have it abundantly. I've also come to realize that there is a spiritual battle in this world that is ongoing all of the time. That Satan is real, the demonic is real, Satan is the prince of the power of the air, that he has authority over this realm. He tempted Jesus, and remember he said to Jesus, If you will bow down to me, I'll give you all of the kingdoms of the world. That he has authority in this realm. Why God has given him that authority, I don't fully understand. I do recognize that God has created a world in which you can clearly see good, and you can clearly see evil, and as a consequence, you can make a genuine choice to accept and follow God or to reject him and those choices are very very real and the spiritual battle is very real every person born into this world is born as a consequence of original sin separated from god that you and i can only have relationship with him if we are reconciled to him through the shed blood of christ That before you come to know Him, essentially you are an object of His wrath, a deserving object of His wrath. I recognize that in my own life, that I certainly deserved the judgment of God, deserved His wrath, and deserved death before I came to know Him. But yet when you come to know Him, suddenly you become an object of His favor. You are brought into His kingdom. His blood takes away every sin that you've ever committed, now in the past, present, or in the future, That he looks at you through the shed blood of Christ such that you are redeemed, made whole and rich, that you are perfected in him, and that he wants to use you to his glory and make you a display of his goodness, of his power. And yet all the while in this world, the, the work of evil, the work of darkness is continuing. It's going on all around us. Before you come to know him the work of Satan and his minions is to keep you in the darkness. It's what they're always trying to do is keep you where you do not believe in God, where you are entrapped in sin, and look at what a good job they are doing. Look at the landscape of the world at how much people are entrapped in the bondage of sin and how lives are being destroyed. Think of, think of all the people committing suicide. Suicidal rates are just exploding, particularly among young people. How many lives are being destroyed? Think of how many people's lives are being destroyed by bondage to some type of addiction. And it's not just in our culture. I mean, you, you can go just about anywhere in the world and find that people are addicted. In fact, in, in Kakamega, Kenya, many of the kids that they are ministering to on the street are addicted. They're addicted mostly to glues, that they're sniffing glues and addicted to it. You see, the demonic is at work all around the world, always seeking to destroy. The Scripture says that we are to humble ourselves before God, be self-controlled and alert, because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, None of us can fully comprehend what's going on in the demonic realm. There are fallen angels, clearly. There are angels that serve God. There is a battle in the heavenly realm. And any one of us can be subject to the work of the demonic at any point in time. That we must be on guard, be self-controlled, it says, because the spirits of evil are looking for someone to devour. Now, I don't think that Satan often shows up on any one of our doorsteps. He's probably trying to work primarily through some leader in the world through whom he can wreak real havoc with many lives, as is going on right now in Ukraine. Certainly, there's a work of the demonic going on there to destroy life. But I do believe that there are spirits of evil that have geographic authority, And that they work in people's lives, and they're always looking for someone to devour. And they look for the weak, the vulnerable. I think of the countless number of children who've been sexually abused. It's a work of the demonic. Wherever there is sexual perversion, like the sexual abuse of children, you can be certain there is a sexually perverse, demonic spirit working through a person. In fact, I think all sexual perversion that is outside of what God has ordained, the demonic will get in it and work and destroy. And they seem to do their best work there because all other sins are outside of the body, the scripture says, but that is a sin against your own body. And it seems to harden the heart of people more than any other type of sin. It's one way in which the demonic works to destroy. Any type of sexual perversion, whether it's homosexual or heterosexual, is a work of the demonic to destroy. They always look for the weak, the vulnerable, the isolated, the ones who are weary, who aren't protected, the ones who, by their own actions, are inviting the work of the demonic. Because any time you are involved in a sinful behavior, doesn't matter what it is, if it's greed and stealing or something like that, what you're doing is throwing open the, the door and inviting the demonic to take a stronghold in your life. And it can grow and fester until such time as it controls you. For some people, they even become possessed. But you see, I believe, and the scripture's quite clear about this. I mean, you can't miss it. That the battle is daily. The battle is in the mind. The spirits of evil like to attack the mind. They want to attack your family, to destroy your family. And you and I must stand. Now, the scripture also says this. It says, this is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, there are false apostles, deceitful workmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. Now, it's interesting that Paul wrote this because when he first began to preach the gospel, what did the other original disciples think? Like, whoa, we don't want anything to do with this guy. Because he was the one persecuting the church. They didn't believe it at first. Others had to come alongside and say, yes, it's true. It's true. The the Saul that was persecuting the church has been transformed. God has renamed him Paul and he became the, the greatest writer of the New Testament. And Paul then, having been a false or masquerading person, recognizes who they are and he says that they are masquerading as apostles of Christ and no wonder because Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And see, here's what a lot of people don't understand. This is what really disturbs me. The church in the United States is either pridefully arrogant in dismissing the spiritual battle or severely naive in not recognizing it or so immature in our desire for comfort and pleasure that we run from it but anybody who is mature in the faith, who filled with the Holy Spirit, should have eyes to see that the spiritual battle is all around us. And as I said a couple years ago when I was talking about a true church, that the church in the United States has been in retreat for decades. That in the spiritual war, the spiritual forces of evil have been winning. Just look at the world. Some of you could say the spiritual forces of evil won in your life for an extended period of time. That certainly happened in my life for at least a decade. The church is called to recognize the battle and stand against it and fight. But even within the church in the United States today, there are countless angels of darkness masquerading as angels of light preaching lies rather than truth. Much of the church today in this culture is believing lies to a great extent, more than ever in my lifetime. And yet the truth is obvious. If you really have eyes to see and you step back and look at the culture, the assault on truth has been just overwhelming now for many, many years. Which is an assault upon Christ It's the work of the demonic All around us Portraying that which is evil to be good And that which is good to be evil Because there are so many Who are false in some way And the scripture says it's not surprising because The servants are simply doing what Satan does, that they masquerade as servants of righteousness when in fact they're parlaying or presenting falsehood. And I have wondered why God doesn't judge more severely. Why doesn't he bring to account more quickly the darkness? I do believe that you and I live in an age in which darkness is increasing exponentially. Of course, it's always been there throughout history, but I think it's increasing at a rapid pace. This is why I believe we're in the last days. I'm certain we're in the last days. I'm certain that Christ is coming soon. I don't know when that will be. It might be in our lifetime. It might not. But I believe that God is allowing evil To ramp up because at the same time his spirit is at work drawing in a great harvest of souls. And it's in the contrast between good and evil that those who have any desire to know God can come to see the reality of the truth. That sometimes God allows evil in order that you can have the contrast to see what is true. But you and I have a responsibility. It's to recognize we're in a war. And the scripture says to resist him. That is to resist the devil. Stand firm in the faith. Because you know that your brothers, your sisters throughout the world are undergoing the same trials. First and foremost, a mature Christian must recognize the battle is all around us. And have wisdom and discernment to fight it. And how do you fight the battle? Fight the battle. Well, first, you recognize that it's real. Second, you ask for discernment and wisdom to identify what you're fighting. Sometimes you have to know exactly what it is in order to pray against it. You do not play with it. You do not submit to it. Sometimes when you're fighting a spiritual battle, it's very obvious That's what I thought when I was a young Christian, that it was always these dark battles that you would see that are obvious. But I've learned over the years that oftentimes the spiritual battles are very subtle, very conniving. And if you are not on guard, you will fall prey to them. And oftentimes they come through individuals. Somebody, even that you might think of as a Christian, could have a stronghold that attacks you Repetitively. Here's a question. Are you tormented by anything? That is, do you have some thoughts that torment you? I've talked to a lot of people where that's the case. If it is the case, you can be almost certain there's something demonic behind it. Maybe you're tormented by something that happened a long time ago. Maybe you're tormented by something you did, and the spirit of evil keeps reminding you of it rather than you recognizing you are forgiven. But are you tormented? If so, likely there's something demonic working against you. Another question would be, Is there any individual that you have relationship with or have, not necessarily relationship, you have contact with in some form that drains the life right out of you? If so, there's likely something demonic that has a stronghold in that person. You know, there's some people that every time I'm around them, it just fills me with life. You know, there's some people that I just, like Vicki Adundo. I've never been around her where she wasn't just smiling, the Spirit of God pouring out through her that I didn't walk away a better person. But there's some people that I've been around who always drained the life out of me. Now, they might be well intentioned people. It doesn't mean they are inherently evil, but they could be people who have a stronghold, a stronghold of control or criticism or something like that, that just drains the life out of you. Someone asked me recently well, if you encounter such a situation, what do you do? I said, you cannot submit to it, you can't let it have control. And see, far too many people allow something demonic working through somebody else to control them. You can't submit to it. They can be very, very manipulative. I think of the examples I've seen over the years of a member of a family who has an addiction. And as a consequence of their addiction, they're always manipulating the rest of the family trying to get money, trying to get them to do things. And people who are in that situation are really, really good at putting a guilt trip on you. And draining the life out of you, either by manipulating you or making you feel guilty and worn down. And not taking responsibility for themselves. See, any person who has a demonic stronghold will always blame other people. It's never their fault. They'll always blame others. Now, in this teaching, the real question is, what spiritual battles are you in? It's not really a question of, are you in any? If you're not, well, you're going to be soon. What spiritual battles are you in? Maybe you're in some personally. Maybe you have some type of addiction. You're struggling to break free from that. That might be your battle. Maybe it's somebody in your household that's having a battle. Maybe it's a battle with another person who's always attacking you, always trying to take life from you. Maybe it's a physical battle. The demonic does attack in the physical realm. Sometimes taking a stand is against the work of the demonic, attacking us physically, oppressing us. Maybe it's in some other form. But what battles are you in? It seems to me that they ebb and flow as you go through life. Sometimes they are intense. Some people, in fact, I I can think of people right now who it seems like they've been in a major war for a year. It's like one thing right after another. And interestingly enough, sometimes as you are drawing closer and closer to Christ, the battles intensify. The more you are doing his will, following his will, and some people get scared and say, well, I don't want to follow his will then. Well, you're going to miss the best of life. This is why the scripture says, resist him, stand firm, you've got to fight. You can't quit and give up, retreat When God is saying, this is the path that I've set before you, now stand and fight. Now really, the joy in that, though, is when you're in a battle, what does the Scripture say? That the battle belongs to the Lord. That he is the one who will fight for you, but you must stand. He won't override your will. If you're fighting against some addiction in your own life, you have to make choices. You have to stand. He won't do it for you, but if you will stand, then he will fight with you in in that battle. In Ephesians, it says, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That there really are schemes One of the things that I've learned over the years is that the demonic is really good at this. I have found myself falling prey to some deception without realizing it, and then later thinking I was deceived. Here's a good example. You ever gotten upset with somebody to the point where you were really agitated, and then when you finally talked to them about it, you found out that what you were upset about wasn't the truth? that you had believed a lie? One of the great ways the demonic works is to get you to believe a lie about somebody else and then to create division and friction in your relationship with that person. I don't know how many times I've seen this happen. Where you go down a path of believing something that is not true. Because they're always at work trying to divide their schemes are good. The scripture says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness. And see, this is what just bugs me. In the, in the liberal, even moderate church, they, ho- they dismiss the whole idea of the spiritual battle and the demonic. Yet, yet the scripture is quite clear that our battle is against not flesh and blood, but against powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, this is why gifts of the Spirit are so important. Like one of the gifts of the Spirit is discerning of spirits. You need people who have discernment, who can recognize spiritual strongholds, the work of the demonic. This is what I believe the gift of tongues is for, is to stand against the spiritual forces of evil. To pray about things that you cannot understand. We, we as a church believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit are for today, but we don't overemphasize any one of them. We believe they're given as according to how the Spirit wills, but we sh- the Scripture says eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We should desire every gift that God wants to give us, not as a badge of pride, but to recognize that it equips us to fight the spiritual battle. And that's what I say. I believe the gift of tongues is primarily to fight the spiritual battle in the heavenly realms about things that you cannot understand. This is why we should never say, well, I don't want that gift. I want this one. We should want every gift that God wants to give us. I want every blessing that God wants to give me. I want every gift that he wants to give me. I want everything that he wants to do in this life because this life is a limited, finite thing. I do want to accomplish whatever it is that he wants to accomplish in this world. I certainly can't do it in my own strength. It would only be by the power of the Spirit. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, and it's coming. In other words, for every single one of us, there is always going to be a day. It's not like you can avoid it. Stand your ground. And when you have done everything, keep standing. Now, I believe that is absolutely true that you always stand your ground spiritually. Doesn't necessarily mean you always stand physically. Sometimes wisdom says, step away. Yeah. Foolishness sometimes can say, stand when it's unwise to stand. But God is always saying, stand. Sometimes you're standing just through prayer, and that's the most powerful form. Do you know what the most powerful weapon against darkness, against the spirits of darkness? What is the most powerful weapon? It's the name of Jesus. The name that is above every name. That I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And at his name, they must flee. They don't have power or authority. So you have the delegated. This is why Jesus said to pray and ask anything in his name, that we have the delegated power of the name of Jesus. You know, names in the Scripture are very, very important. This is why God would rename people when he gave them a new responsibility or something of that nature. And God says that you and I have the delegated authority to use his name, but much of the culture uses his name to blaspheme his name we have the delegated authority to use his name to stand against the darkness he says to put on the full armor and probably you've heard a lot of teachings about the armor of God I think sometimes though at least in the era that we live in we don't recognize what the armor truly is because it starts with the belt of truth and look at the culture the culture is assaulting truth in every possible way. And what's happening is that assault on truth is infiltrating the church so, such that the church is not standing for truth. And so by definition, much of the church is losing the spiritual battle because if the first place to fight the battle is to know the truth, much of the church is not. You must know the truth. The truth will set you free but it'll also empower you to stand. It's the Holy Spirit who instructs you in truth because he is the spirit of truth. The scriptures are truth. Christ himself is truth. But we live in a culture that denies all of them. It says, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, well, how righteous is the church in the United States? Statistics indicate that the church is not any different from the culture in terms of its sinful behavior. If, if to stand, to fight the battle, you must be walking in righteousness, by definition, many people are losing the battle. You see, if I'm a duplicitous person, that is, I have one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom of God, and I'm trying to live supposedly as a Christian while I'm also walking in sinful behavior... By definition, I don't have the armor of righteousness on, the breastplate, and I'm losing in the battle. To have your feet prepared with the gospel of peace means the gospel of the truth of Christ that you present to others, but also that it pervades your heart, that the peace of God would pass all understanding within your own soul, gives you the capacity to stand and fight when everybody else is running. That we take up the shield of faith to really walk by faith. Which it says clearly is the means by which you extinguish, extinguish the attacks. That you live under the helmet of salvation. And that the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Which is the living word who is Christ. The rhema word that he speaks to you. The written word. As you know the truth you're able to not only be on the defensive but to attack. The sword of the spirit is an an offensive weapon. The others are defensive. But as you know the truth and walk in the truth, you can stand against the darkness. And then it says to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. This is why I say, Paul said he prayed with his mind and he prayed with his spirit. That I pray with my understanding. I might pray with my spirit. This is where the gift of tongues comes in, I think. That I pray to stand against the darkness. I don't know that certainly at no time in my life has the church needed to arise standing against the darkness more than right now. And we do that individually. We do that collectively. We do that one life at a time. As the church proclaims the truth, rescues one life at a time. See, that's what vicky has been doing, one life at a time. And it's been multiplying. Do you know what? She really doesn't have an orphanage. What does she have? She has a church, a ministry. They aren't orphans anymore. They've come into the kingdom of God. He's a father to the fatherless. When they've come to know him, they're, they're not orphans. We shouldn't call them orphans. She's got a powerful ministry, a church that is rescuing people from the darkness. She is standing against the darkness. I can assure you Miss Vicky knows how to pray. Because she's seen the darkness. In fact, I asked Arcadius this one time. I said, Do you, have you seen the demonic at work? He said, oh, yeah. We have kids who come to the orphanage. We have to pray over them for deliverance to be set free. We can see the demonic. Deep strongholds, and they pray, they be set free, they stand against the spirits of evil. Well, are you standing? Look, the wolf knocks, or the lion, the fake, masquerading, roaring lion, not the real lion, the lion of the tribe of Judas with whom you stand. But are you fighting the battle? Are you recognizing Do you see it around you? You can't fight the war all by yourself, but you can fight the battle in your own life, and one life at a time in the lives of others. Interceding for them, imparting wisdom and guidance, helping them overcome the darkness. like I think about the war in Ukraine, which just grieves my heart, all the destruction and death that's going on there. Well, we can't go and fight the war. I can't. I can't conquer everything there, but we can help one life at a time. That's why we're helping a few. We can make a difference against the darkness in a few places. It's my prayer that you and I would not be naive, that we would recognize the battle that is before us and that the church in the United States would arise and push back the darkness in the days in which we live. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org and make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.